The Characters of Christmas podcast with Dan Darling is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Well, I'm hoping you're enjoying this podcast series on the characters of Christmas. I'm enjoying uh, as we head into Christmas season, as we think about the coming of the Son of God, as we prepare our hearts in anticipation for what God might do. I've, I've enjoyed kind of going through the different people, the ordinary people who are caught up in this incredible story of Jesus. Well, today I want to focus on maybe the most unlikely characters in the story of, of Jesus. Now, if you uh, were to make a big announcement, like you had to make a big splash announcement, if you're a corporation or an organization or a prominent person making a big announcement, typically you have a huge campaign. Uh, I, I've been a part of those at several organizations and you plan it out months in advance and you try to see how much publicity can we get, right? Uh, can we get on a big national TV show? Uh, do we have a really smart social media campaign? Uh, can we get op-eds and, and news coverage in leading uh, media outlets. That's kind of the strategy. Uh, I've been a part of those, uh, and that's kind of what people do. But it's interesting that when God announced the birth of Jesus to the world, he used the opposite approach. He didn't send Jesus to 30 Rock, uh, but he sent the host of heaven, the angelic messengers. Where does he send them? to a common field outside of Bethlehem. And the people he chose as his spokespeople to share the news with the world were unpolished, sweaty, uncouth shepherds. Shepherds. Now, today we kind of romanticize shepherds in every Christmas pageant. Most of us have put on a modified pillowcase and uh, grabbed a walking stick and appeared in a Christmas pageant at church or in school. When we were kids, the shepherds appear on our Christmas cards and they're in our songs and our carols. But in the first century, nobody thought shepherds were cute and nobody thought they were important. But here they are, the first to know at Christmas. You have to know this about shepherds. They were not considered part of polite society in those days. They were required to tend their flocks outside the city gates. The The only reason shepherds had any significance, significance at all was because sheep were a valuable commodity, especially as it get, got closer to Passover when, when many lambs would be sacrificed in the temple. Uh, the work of a shepherd is, is, is and was still very extraordinarily difficult. They had to wrangle obstinate sheep. They had to ensure their flocks were well fed. They had to fend off predators like wolves or even larger animals like bears or lions. Sometimes unsavory characters would come in and try to steal the sheep. So this is why shepherds would be awake at night they had to probably take shifts to keep an eye on the sheep. Sheep were valuable property in those days. And yet there's something significant and powerful about the inclusion of shepherds in the Jesus story. And I don't think it's a coincidence. Luke is reminding us that the kingdom of God isn't just for insiders, but for outsiders like shepherds, like the poor classes Mary and Joseph came from. Emmanuel, God with us, means God is truly among all classes of people, not simply the connected or well-resourced. I also think the presence of shepherds tells us what kind of Messiah Jesus would be. 
you know, Jesus would come to us as a savior as, and as a king and as a lion of the tribe of Judah, but he also comes as our shepherd. You know, scripture always portrays shepherds as a high calling, uh, perhaps, perhaps the most repeated image of leadership in the Bible. Um, think about this throughout the scriptures, that shepherding is kind of the dominant leadership metaphor. Uh, God refers to himself as Israel's shepherd. In uh, David's Psalm 23, which most everybody has memorized, he's grateful that the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, the prophets Ezekiel and Jeremiah often warn God's people about poor shepherds, bad leaders who would exploit rather than lead. Um, to shepherd in God's economy is to sacrificially care for those vulnerable in your care. Shepherds didn't just drive they they didn't drive their herds but they gently led them hi everyone if you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault listen up we have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth call 800-497-4410 I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hey, listeners. If you're a parent, then we've got a show for you. We know that parenting is not for the faint at heart. It can be hard to connect with your child throughout the many stages of their life. That's why Rabrina Reddle, host of Mama Take Heart, is back this fall. Wife, mom, writer, podcast host, coffee lover, and military veteran, Rabrina has a passion to help you be an influential voice in your daughter's life. In this show, she gives listeners the tools they need to love and lead well in their child's formative years. Whether you're looking for ways to intentionally connect or to have hard conversations. You can find the Mama Take Heart podcast on lifeaudio.com or in your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now today, it's interesting, in some Christian circles, shepherding is kind of viewed negatively, like it's an outdated biblical metaphor. And people today want it more used, ideas like being a CEO or um, something. But it's hard to dismiss how intentional the Holy Spirit is, including a vision of gentle yet firm leadership of a shepherd as the way God leads his people and how God intends those who follow him to lead. Jesus' last words to Peter were, uh, feed my sheep, all right? Uh, Throughout the epistles, Paul talks and encourages pastors to be shepherds, right? Uh, This is why I believe the announcement of the coming of Jesus, who would later call himself the good shepherd, had to happen in a shepherd's field among those who lead sheep. It had to. Luke is telling us that the ruler who is to come would be different than the rulers his people were used to seeing. He wouldn't be a Caesar who ruled only by brute force. He wouldn't be a Herod who governed by treachery, murder, and paranoia. No, Jesus 
would be among all his attributes a shepherd. And he would entrust himself and his message to shepherds. And think about this. The Lamb of God would first be held and handled and touched by those who know how to appreciate and care for a lamb. And yet more than anybody, these shepherds knew the ultimate fate of each lamb for which they cared. They tended the very lambs that would be sacrificed at Passover. And yet a lamb had come who would be the final sacrifice. This lamb wouldn't simply cover their sins as the sacrifices did, but he'd actually become sin. John the Baptist would say about Jesus later, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So think about this. The good news of the coming of the Lamb of God, slain for the sins of the world, announced among lambs set aside for the temple sacrifice, and in the city of David, Israel's last great shepherd. So this is God declaring to his people that Jesus, both the good shepherd and the Lamb of God, was coming to make true peace between God and man. The symbolism here for the shepherds is not coincidental. It's God is trying to teach us and tell us something. I want to think too about the response of the shepherds. You know, one of the things that you see here is that God is coming to people who were ready to receive him. They were simple people. Of course, imagine what it was like for them, right? This is just an ordinary night, tending their lambs, going through their shifts. And all of a sudden, the sky just opens up in this incredible display, angelic display. And the choirs of heaven are singing and um, announcing the birth of the Son of God. The most beautiful Christmas pageant ever was the one on that first Christmas, conducted and written and performed by the angels for this audience of shepherds. Um, And again, I always find it interesting how God seems through Scripture to interrupt and show up in the middle of an ordinary person's daily routine. You know, it's not like the shepherds knew this was coming. It's not like they got an email invite the day before that said, you know, meet up at field one at midnight for an epic event. And even though they were caught by surprise, these men of humble means and reputation responded in ways that proved God's wisdom in entrusting the announcement of the birth of Jesus to them. So here's some things we can learn from the shepherd's response. First, they believed. They saw the angels, they heard the witness, and they believed. You know, the scribes were too jaded, the royals were too sophisticated, the Romans were too dismissive. But these humble outsiders had the simple faith to look up, listen, and put their faith in the Christ child. This is really the call to action at every Christmas. Will you look up, listen, and put your faith in that Christ child? They could also be awed. They believe, but they could also be awed. You know, the world of the first century was pretty cynical. False messiahs had come and gone. The promise of Israel's restoration seemed more like a pipe dream. The Roman flag waved high above the Temple Mount. And here there were people still willing to to be awed. Luke says that shepherds possess great fear. And wouldn't you, right? You're a lowly shepherd in a backwater town in a ravaged land, and all of a sudden the heavens open and angels start singing. Oh yeah, you'd be fearful. You'd be fearful. And that there's something wonderful about the ability to still be awed by God. And I hope you embrace that this Christmas. 
has Christmas just become a routine, just another thing on the calendar, just another set of parties and things? Or will you let your heart be awed this Christmas? I encourage you to be intentional, to dig into the scriptures that talk about the coming of the Son of God, to have a plan for Advent readings, to to listen to the Christmas carols, to let them soak deep into your heart and mind. You know, I have been celebrating Christmas my whole life, over 40 years. And yet every year when it comes upon me, I just feel in awe and wonder at the incarnation. You know, today's world is just as jaded as the world of the first century. Smart people are way too enlightened to believe in the supernatural. And yet Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You see, real spirituality is a healthy awe, a reverence, a fear of God, to know that you're nothing and that God is awesome. The closer you are to heaven, the greater your fear and awe of God. Not fear in a sense of being scared, but being awed. I hope that this Christmas season, your heart is open to awe and wonder. It's easy to treat our religious traditions, especially Christmas, as a sort of ho-hum affair. But God visits those who are willing to fear and awe, to wonder and to meditate. Have we stopped what we are doing long enough to see what God is doing around us? Have we sufficiently unplugged from the digital distractions that keep our minds moving but distract us from the supernatural? Are you willing to be awed by an awesome and powerful God and by the mystery of the incarnation of Jesus Christ? Are you willing to do that? And yet, God also turns our fear to faith because the angel said, fear not. Because Jesus is the good shepherd because he's the final lamb of God slain for sins of the world because he reconciles us to God by faith. We no longer have to fear. We don't have to be afraid. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can know God intimately as our savior and as our friend. This royal announcement on a cold night in Bethlehem meant that those who put their faith in this baby Jesus would experience peace with God. This is what the angels mean when they say, on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. In one sense, the angels were reminding the shepherds that this temporary peace currently being experienced in the Roman Empire would one day give way to war. But only this Prince of Peace could usher in genuine shalom, genuine renewal, genuine peace. And this baby Jesus would offer personal peace with God. The one who came to shepherds would be the good shepherd of their souls. The Lamb of God would fully atone for sin. We also see that they lived with purpose. And this is the last thing I want to learn from the shepherds. Luke makes sure we know that the shepherds didn't waste time gazing into the Bethlehem sky. Once they heard the witness of the angels, um, Luke records that they went quickly to go worship. The King James Version, which I grew up with, says that they came with haste they came with haste and wouldn't you they couldn't help but go worship and they couldn't help but go tell everybody else about the good news that jesus had come they abandoned all pretense and ran straight into bethlehem sheep and all to find the messiah and imagine the sight they must have been knocking on doors waking the locals shouting the good news that the long way messiah had come trying to find the right house you see they didn't simply marvel at the message they believed it and it changed their direction. You see, there's a temptation for us on Christmas, this Christmas, is to simply get full of what I call the feels, 
the warm sentimentality of the season and miss the good news at the heart of this holiday that Christ has come into the world to save you and to save me. You see, the angels told the shepherds that this good news was for all people. It was personal. They left their fields and became the most unlikely of messengers. These roughly hewn, untrained, illiterate shepherd boys became evangelists. I love what John Calvin says. He says, though God had at his command many honorable and distinguished witnesses, he passed by them and chose shepherds, person of humble rank and of no account among men. They became the world's first missionaries, the first in a long line of ordinary, unheralded messengers of the gospel. And these are the people among whom God is on the move, and he is on the move today. And I just want to say, are you one of those ordinary messengers willing to shout the good news that Christ has come this Christmas? Will you do that? I hope you do. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Characters of Christmas. The Characters of Christmas podcast is a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This Christmas season, we hope you'll also check out Dan's book, The Characters of Christmas, The Unlikely People Caught Up in the Story of Jesus. It's available for Moody Publishers on Amazon.com or wherever you buy your books. You can find more from Dan and all his latest books and podcasts by visiting his website, danieldarling.com. If you liked what you just listened to, would you take a second and tell your friends about us? And maybe also leave us a rating on your favorite podcast app. This podcast is produced by Kelly Givens and Stephen Sanders, with editorial oversight provided by me, Stephen McGarvey. To find more great Christian podcasts like this, check out the rest of our shows at lifeaudio.com. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kynos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word Kynos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.